0: Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things parenting, mental health and education. I'm Devony.
1: And I'm Stacy.
0: Today we're continuing our discussion on the truth about home education.
1: There's just so much good stuff on this topic, we couldn't fit it in one podcast.
0: (laughs) So it's interesting to me that we both homeschool and we both had a preconceived notion of what that looked like prior to choosing to homeschool. (laughs) So I grew up in the 80s and
1: I'm gonna be honest that I had a very negative impression of homeschooling and I thought homeschool kids were weird. Mm thought they were kind of just odd, socially odd. And that's so not been my experience. Not only I'm not saying that just cuz I'm biased and you know, I've homeschooled my kids and they're awesome and uh-huh. you know, but also just the I guess what the conclusion we've come to is that you're going to have what people will call odd, whatever that is, cuz I personally I guess I like odd and weird. Yeah, me too. I embrace it. Yeah, normal's boring, but I think maybe what some people might judge or refer to as odd, I don't. I don't think that has as much to do with whether or not you homeschool. Like, didn't we also have that in school and yeah. <laughs> in our workplace? And like, mm-hmm. people are just people, and so I don't think that's a link. Although I do think that maybe when I was younger, I don't think there were as many homeschool groups. I think people probably were a little bit more isolated, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've really made an effort to make sure that we're not. So yeah, I did, I had a negative impression. It was surprising to, I surprised myself choosing to homeschool.
0: Yeah, and I did and still do look to your kids, especially because our kids are so much alike. Anytime I think, can we do this? Will they be successful? Is this okay? You, your family is that like a decade in the future? So I'm like, okay, yes, Aww. this will work. It's so nice to thank you. I I've had people say that probably
1: because you know we we founded the homeschool group, and so my kids are older, and you know. Um,
0: and you're active in the community. So you, everywhere you go, you're breaking a homeschool stereotype just by being you and being out there. I have a funny story about this, actually. I, oh. just, I just thought of it. We, um, we went to a
1: family reunion back in 2009. So my kids were nine and six at the time. And so all this homeschool stuff was very new. Like my in-laws were trying to take in. Quiz them about. Well, well, when they first came to visit us in Pennsylvania and heard we were homeschooling, there were some questions and you could mm-hmm. tell it was sort of like, oh dear, like, how is this going to be? This is, you know. mm-hmm. and um, then my kids are, again, they're older. And so a lot of the visits now are just, wow, your family is so close in. Your kids are so awesome. And your kids are just so great. And like, you know, it's it's almost like, I don't know if it's few this <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> worked out or surprise or wonder or just, I don't know what it is, but being on this side of it is like, hey, look, this worked out. But early on, it it really was a, a leap of faith. So uh-huh. when people say, "I look to you and know it's all going to be okay," I feel like I don't know if I I had that. So <laughs> like, I was in the I hope this is going to be okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but we went to this family reunion, and the kids, you know, there is a big extended family thing. They were people were playing volleyball and. Kate's like, I want to go play volleyball, and so she goes over to play. And Max is hanging out with his cousins. And and someone said, I I heard I I didn't know what to expect when I met your kids because I heard you were homeschooling, but they're so normal. <laughs> what do you even say to that? It was like, thank you. So you you assumed we wouldn't be like what <laughs> I it was just it's just telling. It's like when people make a comment and say it that way. <laughs> I mean, we kind of laugh about it. And yeah. I'm gonna be honest, our family's very sarcastic. Uh-huh. A lot of times when our kids or any of us like do something weird or odd or like, you know, get something wrong or don't know the answer to something, we're always like, come on, homeschool. <laughs> <laughs> so we just poke fun at ourselves. Or if it's like the kid say like, You know the kids are hanging out with their friends and they make a reference and my kids are like what's that i'll just be like oh oh we homeschool (laughs) sorry my kids don't know because we homeschool (laughs) we just poke fun at ourselves and join in so i almost i'm actually really not very easily offended Mm -hmm. about it because i understand that people are gonna have these preconceived notions but it is interesting to me that they are surprised that my kids yeah. are social and engaged and interesting and that they'll just jump in. And, or I think someone also wondered if she, if my kids might be like hiding behind my legs, nervous to talk. And I was like, no, you know, they, they do see other humans. Like. It's like- <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that leads me to the story about the first time we went to an Inch event. Max was 12, Daniel was two. And I'll never forget arriving and Max said, "Oh, are you a new family?" and I said, "Yes." And they introduced themselves to us, and I remember thinking a 12-year-old introducing themselves to a 2-year-old and an adult. This is <laughs> awesome. I want more of this. It was every preconceived notion I had and every doubt disappeared in that interaction oh i love
1: hearing stories like this that makes me so happy because you're right those that and that's so sweet that that's like your first you know i love that um yeah i just i i'm really impressed with the kids in our group i i love them i'm again kind of myth that this past year i feel like the pandemic stole a year from me getting to spend time with the other kids in our homeschool group that are so awesome, like we've done it virtually at least, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But some of these kids are graduating and going off to college, and like, man, I missed a whole year of like hanging out with them because they're just genuinely cool kids, and mm-hmm. you know we have book clubs with them and discussions with them, and I I genuinely enjoy their company. And so, uh, yeah, we have a pretty terrific group of kids in our homeschool group, and I. They're very accepting of one another, and um, I don't know. Just They're just awesome kids.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I guess that takes care of the first myth. Homeschooled kids don't socialize. <laughs> I think I said in part
1: one, didn't I, talk about how uh, the question my kids get asked, you know, do you wear pajamas to school and do you have friends? And the mm-hmm. answer is an emphatic yes. <laughs> and they're not even just homeschool friends. <laughs> like, uh, both my kids have dated kids who have gone to public school they are active in theater in the community they have volunteered at the library max has done the big brother big sister program has volunteered in schools they've both worked at the renaissance fair like they're you know we let them out of the house
0: (laughs) yeah pre-pandemic i used to say we were hardly ever home for homeschoolers and i would also just say if anyone thought that The same way at your family reunion, I'm sure that disappeared as soon as they met your kids. Mm -hmm. Like, have you met my kids? I will never forget being at the library. And again, it like breaks these age stereotypes too. It's almost like because they're not nine months in a classroom with other kids within a year of their same birth date. I remember going to the library and Dan struck up a conversation before it opened outside with a man. and I think he was in his 60s, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And after he was done talking to him, Dan said, would you like to be my best friend? <laughs> oh. So I think they they're making friends everywhere they go and aren't shy. And it's okay if you do have a kid that's shy, whether they mm-hmm. go to public school or... Are homeschooled, but just like not all public school kids are whatever, yes. same thing with with homeschooled kids.
1: It's all about, you know, stereotypes. And I love mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the age thing because what's interesting too is that not only do they socialize, they socialize with kids of all ages. And mm-hmm. I they're very comfortable talking to adults, but also younger kids, but kids their age, but kids not their age. <laughs> so the fall before the pandemic, Max was in a musical and Max was the only minor in the entire cast and would come home talking about people in the show and friends and you know what it's like talking to people there and how rehearsal's been and stuff like that. And so Max would talk about their friend Dave and how Max and Dave like the same games and Max and Dave both like to play D&D and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And then I you know I go to the show. I think I went to a rehearsal one time and Dave's my age. <laughs> Dave's like we recently celebrated Dave turning fifty, so and I love
0: that that it wasn't even a thing. It doesn't yeah.
1: matter. Like, and even now during the pandemic, uh, Max and Dave will connect via Zoom or whatever teleparty um, and and watch Firefly together, or you know play games on Board Game Arena and stuff like that. And yeah, I guess I love that. My I love that my kids don't look at age or gender or anything as a barrier to Mm -hmm. having a friendship with someone and i think that's especially like you and i (laughs) damini have friends of all ages yeah and so i have friends that are you know my kids teenage friends i think are great and some of my closest friends are a good 20 30 Mm -hmm. 40 years older than i am
0: yeah and that's a lifelong skill to have and you don't have to break out of that habit of being used to people being close to your age for friendships.
1: And it's realistic to life, right? Like when outside of school, (laughs) when in life, Mm -hmm. do you make a point of being with people only your exact same age? Like, you know, if if Comcast sends out a technician, for example, (laughs) I'm not like, okay, well, I'm 47. So please make sure to only send the 47 year old technician.
0: Please make sure my gynecologist is around 40. (laughs) Hi, we'd like a table for four, but we are
1: different ages. So seat us accordingly. And I'm six months older than my husband. So I may or may not be in the same room. It just doesn't never, never in life are we separated. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't think of anything outside of elementary school and high school that we, that we, separate out by age like that. And I guess that's another thing I love about the socialization of homeschoolers, if you wanna call it socialization, it's a word non-homeschoolers love to use for us. Um, When we play at the park, for example, the, the kids love to play Quidditch and capture the flag. And again, it's all ages. So what I've observed is when the kids are running around the park and a little toddler wanders into the capture the flag area, the older kids are very careful to not trample them and to say, Oh, guys, look out, there's a toddler. They don't get mad. They're not like, Oh, uh-huh. this is for the older kids. They say, Oh, look out. And they help the younger kids look out for the even younger kids. And then the younger kids are keeping up with the older kids and looking up to the older kids. And so I feel like there's such a natural back and forth where older kids are being more nurturing. Uh-huh. Younger kids are, you know, looking up to these older kids and, Um, learning quickly by hanging out with them. It's like the one-room schoolhouse
0: approach. So many benefits to that. Even when I was teaching, I would try to find times for fourth graders to come down and read with my kindergartners. And because of the nature of our schedule and our day, it was hard to do. But man, when you could, you could really see the benefits of that for both ages. Yes.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, Max has been able to, as a high schooler, um, go into the inner city fourth grade classroom of a friend of ours um, here in Pennsylvania and volunteer in the classroom and help these kids with math and spelling and it's so fun and rewarding so and and for exactly what you're describing because because when Max gets to do that they're like, oh the kids are so excited and I make up games for them and they love it and it's just it's
0: it's how it, it's how life should be. Okay, what's another homeschool myth?
1: Uh, Sometimes you hear parents aren't qualified to teach.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I will admit that there are certain things that I am looking forward to outsourcing Mm -hmm. if we are still homeschooling, because like like I said, we take it on a year-to-year basis. If we are still homeschooling for late middle school, high school, there are some things I would like to outsource, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, in fact, that's great because... It also gives your kids a chance. See, I'm also aware that kids benefit from having different adult mentors in their life. So I actually love when my kids have Uh more teachers besides me and my husband. So whether it's librarians or taekwondo instructors or violin instructors or game design leaders or whatever, um, that's such a good opportunity for them. So I think outsourcing is great. And our kids are like our family's really big on the dual enrollment program through the local community college where you get to take college classes as a high school student and it's much more affordable and because we homeschool they can just go right onto the campus and take the class with other college students. So my daughter got um she I think she got over a year of college credits under her belt before even graduating high school. That's awesome. Yeah, and then she got to learn biology from a biology instructor at the college mm-hmm. and you know, uh, just it's, it's again, more mentors, more teachers, more opportunities to learn. And for those who homeschool or choose to homeschool or are considering homeschooling, one of the things that we say to our clients is you do not have to know all the things you do not have to have all the answers. The biggest key, I think, in my opinion, the biggest key with the homeschooling is making sure your kids know how to learn, And keeping that love of learning as, you know, I I look at my kids, I want them thriving. So a love of learning and a knowing how to learn, you Mm -hmm. can learn anything. And it's honestly kind of geeky fun that you get to learn right alongside them. Mm -hmm. I love love that when the kids are like, you know, they ask a question and I say, oh, I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah, And we look together.
0: That happens so often.
1: yeah, they um I think the requirements technically are that you have a high school degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, i'm I'm thinking about our homeschool group, just mentally quick looking around at families over the years in our group. I think the vast majority of parents in our group are college educated. A lot have graduate degrees. We have had, interestingly enough, many of our parents are teachers. Mm-hmm. And several are college professors, which I think again is kind of kind of telling. Um, so yeah, I, I you don't have, but you don't have to be a teacher or a college mm-hmm. professor in order to homeschool your kids. A love of learning, knowing how to learn, and outsourcing when you can.
0: Nobody knows your kids better than you. Mm-hmm. There's the bonus of that. Anything you might feel like you're not qualified to do or teach. Like Stacy said, you're learning together, let's look it up. And that's good practice for kids learning to find resources then when you aren't around. Like no teacher should act like they have all the answers and they're never wrong. And we should be showing kids how to find the answers when an adult isn't there.
1: I'm thinking of this parenting win moment based on what you just said. (laughs) The irony is that I was at the library teaching my class on homeschooling. And when we got home, Or maybe I saw an email. I saw an email about a a pizza order. And I was like, (laughs) this is years ago. I'm like, the kids ordered pizza. (laughs) And I was like, we got home. And they were so proud. They figured out the app. They, They were younger at the time. So they figured out the app. They ordered what they wanted. They had it delivered to the house. They made sure they had enough money for it. And then they researched how to figure out how to like do you tip the pizza delivery guy and how much (laughs) they knew where to find everything they just they they completely handled it and they basically just said we were hungry nothing looked good in the fridge so we ordered a pizza and i don't know maybe there are parents out there who might have gotten upset but
0: i was so proud Mm -hmm. yeah i would be too (laughs) okay one i often hear is a reason for not homeschooling okay so I often hear, I could never homeschool because this is almost like Family Feud. <laughs> Survey says. <laughs> because I'm not organized enough, because I'm not patient enough. And so the myth there is all homeschool parents must be organized, <laughs> patient. You think we're like Mary Poppins in our house. And let me tell you something, <laughs> not only are we not but I've been in the schools too, and not all the teachers are all the time either, Mm -hmm. organized or patient either. We all have our days and we're human and that's okay. (laughs) Not only is
1: it okay, it's how we learn and how we, that's the other thing too. I think along those lines, people think, well, how how can you homeschool? You know, if I've heard people say, you know, if we were together 24 seven, we would be at each other's throats. And I'm, I'm gonna say right now that if that were the case, Yeah, we wouldn't homeschool either, but the thing is, when when your family knows you're homeschooling, when you're committed to this way, you learn to coexist in a way that you're not at each other's throats 24 seven because no one would survive this Mm -hmm. if that's how it were. So actually, our relationships have grown stronger and we've learned to navigate a lot of things together because we're together so much. Um, but, yeah, if that if that's the prerequisite, that we're all super organized and, like, I—then I,
0: <laughs> I— I have a story about the patience part. Early in our days of homeschooling, Evelyn was probably kindergarten, and we were doing math. She was doing something like, 4 plus 3 equals—and she got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I corrected her, and I said, actually, 4 plus 3 is 7. And she said, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. And I messaged my husband and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. <laughs> See, critical thinking
1: is another thing you learn in homeschooling because I think your kids and my kids know that there is none of this, your opinion, my opinion when it comes to facts and science <laughs> and math.
0: <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to help me have a conversation with her because i
1: <laughs> See, and that's, we, this we talk about in our parenting club, our mm-hmm. class, part support group as well. The idea of tagging someone in when we're at our, like when we're spent at the end of our rope, we have no more patience and you just sort of quietly go to your spouse or maybe <laughs> a, a, a friend and you tag them in and say like, I am not going to handle this well at this point. So I need yeah. you to come in and be more patient than I can be in this moment.
0: And I think it's also okay to say to our kids, maybe not at that age, but if you have an older child that you are just starting homeschooling, I've said to my now older children, hey, the way you're talking to me about this math, it's always math. It's still math. Okay? (laughs) Would you talk to another adult that wasn't your mom about that like that? And they kind of realized, and that is normal too. We talk about that in our parenting club. Mm -hmm. We are each other safe place to land so sometimes while we should that should be even more reason to do our best for our family sometimes that's where the frustration comes out most but I also think it's okay to say I'm taking on this commitment but I won't do it at the expense of our relationship so that's even more motivation for us to figure out Mm -hmm. how to collaborate and how to connect again all these things that come up in our parenting clue because while they aren't homeschool specific it can really make or break the homeschool situation
1: yeah and and another thing that comes along with that 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 brings up is that the flexibility inherent in homeschooling allows us to walk away yes yeah Yeah. or i mean i i'm gonna be honest we've had days we've just scrapped the whole day because i really always i say it's a day we have to bake cookies today (laughs) we're just baking cookies we're all stressed we're all grumpy i don't know what's going on but or maybe there's just too much going on like bag the day and maybe we all uh, watch a movie or maybe everybody goes to their own corners and does their own mm-hmm. quiet activity or whatever the thing may be. But we're not confined to 180 days that are the same days on the calendar as the school from 7am to 3pm. We have dinner. We have bedtime. We have weekends. We have... So we just... we can thankfully scrap the days that aren't going yeah. so well. Now we don't do it at the drop of a hat. Some days right. we say, ugh, we're feeling off today and we still get our stuff done. Mm-hmm. But we we can say, you know what, let's just go. Or the other thing is, um, I remember one time we had things we were gonna do that day and I looked online and saw that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was speaking at a local university and it was open to the public and I was like, let's go. and you know what about all the things we were going to do that day? Who cares? We can do mm-hmm. that any day. But he is a legend, and we can go see him and meet him. Like, let's go. And so we did. We dropped everything. We went and listened to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which was amazing. Um, we'll get to this, the other stuff, you know, another time. And you, I, I love the freedom and flexibility to do that. And I've, I get actually frustrated hearing stories from friends of mine whose kids are in school. And again, I understand that for order and mm-hmm. laws, you have to have some degree of attendance, and I, I get it. But things have gotten so rigid that I I know of someone who had a relative that worked at NASA, and their child was like absolutely fascinated with space and had this incredible opportunity and to go tour NASA and do these amazing things. And they asked the school if it would be okay, and the school was like, no, you know, because they're going to miss too many days mm. of class. And I, that blows my mind. And I I don't like being told what to do. I'll be, I'll be honest. And the idea of parents asking a school for permission to do something with their kids is super bizarre to my mind. I, I understand why it's there. I know. and it, And it's a safety. But it's just something like somebody telling me what I can or cannot do with my child is like, are you kidding me with this? So I think the family, they fought back and went to NASA. And I guarantee you that that child (laughs) got more out of their experience in NASA than they would have for those three days of sitting at a desk with a text. Like you can sit and read about NASA or you can go visit NASA. And if you have that chance. And sometimes
0: it's also the time of school it might be standardized testing they don't want anyone to miss or even when i was a teacher my in-laws vacation the week of memorial day every year and the first year i got permission from the superintendent because i was an, a newlywed and but it said on the form this is the only year this can happen because typically teachers can't at least in that district teachers can't take the last 10 days of the school year okay as personal days like if you're sick you know but so even even that as a teacher was like I mean now we love vacationing in the off season.
1: Oh we do too. We've gotten spoiled where we don't even
0: like to go places that could be crowded
1: because we're like no we'll just wait for September when everybody's in
0: school and we'll be the only ones at the museum. Another myth we have here is that if you're homeschooled you can't get into college and Stacy's already said that her kids have been dual enrolled but why don't you also tell us what the college application process looked like for homeschooling families?
1: So they need a transcript and sometimes they need a letter from, you know, either, I think it was a guidance counselor, so my husband and I just were sort of like, well, I guess we're the principal and the guidance counselor and the teachers and the transcript makers. So we, um, we've never really done grades, uh, Kate has taken the SAT and ACT, I will say the only time my kids have taken any standardized tests ever third grade, fifth grade, eighth grade, because that's Pennsylvania state law. And then Kate's done the SAT and ACT. Um, that's it. And and yet she's in college and she's made the dean's list every semester. So the idea that you must do all this testing in order to do well in college is simply not true. Uh, but yeah, our, we visited colleges. We toured them. We found colleges that were very eager to have homeschool applicants. And because we don't do grades, we kind of made up I guess like what would be the equivalent of it for the transcript but we did a narrative transcript and we actually got that idea from Hampshire College because that's they also don't do grades and that's how they're you know people I I was up there one time for an information session and parents were like what do you mean you don't do grades like what if my kid wants to go to law school or medical school like how can you not do grades and it's just there's this fear of thinking outside the box and everything's Mm -hmm. oh you know regimented and and prescribed and They said, we have lots of graduates that are doctors and lawyers and engineers and all manner of things, teachers, you know, the narrative transcript works. And so a narrative transcript is just, you know, where you sort of write out, this is what we've done. These are the projects they've completed. Um, And with all the different cool things we've been able to do, Kate had no problem applying to colleges. She applied to five colleges. She got into all five. She received scholarships from all five. Um, It all, it, I mean, a couple of them were even kind of vying to have her with very generous scholarships. So um, they, and the professors love having homeschool kids. And, and we've noticed that even during dual enrollment, like uh, at the community college, they wouldn't always know. They don't always know who the home, who the dual enrolled mm-hmm. kids are and aren't. But then as our kids have done well in classes and things, the professors are like, Oh, if it com- when it comes up, oh, you're homeschooled. Oh, okay, that makes sense. My homeschool kids do so well. They're, those are my best students. They're always very engaged. Uh, Kate has mentioned at college, she's, she's like a kid in a candy store. I can take all these
0: classes, which is- Yeah, it's almost like that engagement comes from not stifling that love of learning through things that sometimes aren't making your eyes light up, right?
1: Busy work, testing, yeah. and just, yeah, they've been able to follow their passions and-, and- I don't, if Kate's got that. Both of them, they love, love learning the things they love to learn about. So Kate has mentioned, and we've also done a thing too with both our kids where we've added an extra year to their high school years. Um, Kate's done it as a gap year. Max is doing it as a, like a five year high school plan because, because we can, because uh-huh. why not? And give them a little bit more space to breathe. I, I'm a therapist. I see the stats. I see that well before the pandemic, we've had a mental health crisis in this country among adolescents and young adults. And I thought, you know what, why not just put an extra year in their breathing room? And so um, as we've done all this, both kids have been very happy with that extra time. And the response from colleges and everything has been great. And Kate has seen some of, you know, some of her colleagues at college, she said, yeah, you know, a lot of them seem actually they arrive burned out. They're, they're really, really tired. And they're spent. And it, it's just they're stressed out. And she's eager and excited and like, let me at it. And, uh-huh. and I, I do think some of that is her personality. And some of that I think is exactly what you said. And, and what we've thankfully been able to foster through homeschooling. So yeah, homeschool kids, not only do they get into college, they, they, They do quite well even statistically even the data shows they do quite well
0: well then that leads us into the next one which is that they that homeschool kids don't learn as well not true
1: (laughs) (laughs) again what whether a kid goes to public school or homeschool or cyber school it's really it's it's a little bit more about whatever their experience is Mm -hmm. i mean i don't know when you were in high school weren't there some kids in your high school there were definitely some in mine that, that school just wasn't their thing
0: Yeah, and there were definitely days that school wasn't my thing, and I was a very good student. So whether something's covered or not and retained or not sometimes has less to do with how someone learns and more to do with the mental health Mm -hmm. component, and that's okay too.
1: Yeah, and being able to do things like sleep in if your child is not a morning person. And then people say, well, then, you know, how are they going to function in life? And it's like they're going to function fine. Like I, I'm not a morning person, but when I first got married and my husband and I had jobs where we had to be there at 6 a.m., guess what? We got there at mm-hmm. 6 a.m. because we had to pay our rent and because we're responsible humans. So you're teaching them principles, you're teaching them responsibility, you're teaching them these different things. So no, homeschooling your kid and letting them sleep in and doing things a little out of the box, they they transition into life, not only just fine, but they even can have that entrepreneurial view of things. They, they're they not afraid to think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no homeschool kids learn quite well. The next myth on my list that I have here is homeschoolers can't participate in extracurricular activities. Now, I suppose this depends state to state, but in Pennsylvania, several years ago, they did pass a law that basically says homeschool kids can participate, You that schools cannot stop homeschool kids from participating in extracurricular activities. Now, Kate, I don't think has ever really done anything. Uh, there's, I can't think of anything extracurricular she's done. Although her best friend goes to school in a different County and she's been to many school dances and school activities and is friends with a bunch of his friends. And the joke is that she's even in the yearbook, like every year, (laughs) not like a student portrait, but in the candid's. um, so they again they're they're social they have friends in schools max has been to school dances max has done one extracurricular activity with our school district he's um participated in their theater program they did footloose and he got to play the dad the reverend um but they're allowed to it's just so, so yes yes you can some choose to some choose not to
0: we've never found the need to because my kids have still done and remembering, just for reference, they are going into third and sixth grade this year. They have done martial arts, art classes, scouts, local theater, two different theaters, soccer, t-ball, and none of that has been affiliated with the district. There's just enough available in our community. We're very fortunate to have an amazing local art studio, splat studio, where my daughter did camps and camps and camps and week-long classes. It was just like, when it came time for our portfolio, I never worried about art. And that also fostered this lifelong love of art that even when she isn't currently taking a class or a camp there, she just has that mindset now. So there's, there's always... I shouldn't say always, there's often things mm-hmm. available in your community, and if not, some states will let you still participate in the district's extracurricular. Well, in our local district, the only thing we ever did ask for was speech therapy services. My son qualified through, for speech through the IU and continued to qualify, and the district just said, no, we will not fulfill his IEP through the district for speech. Apparently that's something, at least in our state, that is made on a Mm district-by-district basis. So sometimes when I talk to people at homeschooling, I I do make sure to tell them that. And we have sought services elsewhere, out of pocket, jumped through some hoops with our pediatrician to get our um, insurance to cover it. I don't know, Stacey, is this where you want to get on your soapbox? about (laughs) About
1: universal (laughs) health (laughs) care?
0: Always. Yeah it should be
1: affordable there should not be this hassle we should be there to help one another <laughs> but yeah i our family has found the same as yours which is there's so much in our community and in our homeschool group that our kids have been our kids have done theater a couple times through our homeschool group years ago and then they've done stuff at i think f- four or five different theaters because community theater is very much a community thing and that's been mm-hmm. a cool Thing. They've done, yeah, you're right, baseball, and um, volunteering at the libraries, and just they've been able to do some really neat things, and it makes me think, too, that they also participate in summer camps like other kids do, writing camps, and game design camps, and video game.
0: My kids have played instruments. I think some yeah. people think, like, again, how am I going to do band, or phys ed, or art, or music? And if it's not something that you feel comfortable doing, like we said earlier, you
1: can outsource. And that there, okay, so there is being fair. There is an aspect of, if we're being honest, th- that is something homeschool parents have to work a little bit harder at. So, schools, a lot of stuff's just there for you. Mm-hmm. And when you homeschool and your kid shows an interest in something and you're trying to connect them with that in the community somewhere, you have to do some research and you have to do some digging. Um, I, I think in part one, we were talking about how Pennsylvania and New York are two of the strictest states in which to homeschool. And I know we said it's not that bad. and it's not that bad. It's just a little bit of paperwork. And yes, we can help you with it, but it's, it's just really not that big a deal. It's even gotten mm-hmm. easier over the years. We've never had any issue from the school district. It's always been very straightforward. Um, but there's a lot in our communities and a lot of great things you can get involved in. And as our kids have done summer camps, I see them and the other kids in the summer camp say things like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. I love learning these things. I wish school were like this. I hear the public school kids say, and I think, yeah, I, why don't we? Like, why isn't, why isn't it? What, what takes the joy out of it? What, what exactly is it? And that always gets me on my other soapbox (laughs) about how we are constantly learning about what makes certain countries the happiest countries in the world and what makes certain countries have these wonderful educational outcomes with kids that are lifelong learners and do so well. And, you know we look and what are they doing well less testing less homework more recess and i always joke that it feels like the more we learn that the more the united states says well i know let's have less recess <laughs> more homework more testing like we do the opposite and wonder uh-huh. why it's not working it's just mind-boggling but yeah a lot of school as you and i talk about is still kind of set in that industrial age mindset mm-hmm. and we are in the 21st century where it's more technological and like it should, we're in the computer age but I don't know that the way we do things has advanced to that. I do think it's changing thankfully.
0: Okay the last homeschool myth we have is that homeschoolers just play all day. This reminds me of you know what society thinks stay-at-home parents do all day.
1: <laughs> and also to that I say Sometimes we do. Like uh-huh. I'm not I'm not going to lie, sometimes we do play all day. Yeah. Sometimes we play games all day long or we go outside all day long. Um but I guess I don't see that as a negative. Uh-huh. We know that kids learn through play. We love Peter Gray and he talks about the need for playing. This is how we learn. This is how we as adults learn. I mean, do you know, think about adults who have drudgery in their lives and don't love their jobs or don't love whatever, you know, is that are you learning? Are you thriving? What about people who do love their jobs and love their careers? That mm-hmm. that fire, that passion, that zest. Um, yeah, you, you can do that in homeschooling. You, you can choose the occasional day and play all day. Or you can play lots and lots because kids do learn that way. So yeah, sometimes we do. I hate
0: the word just. I know. I remember early on when I became a stay-at-home mom, hearing that. Are you just a stay-at-home? What do you mean just? <laughs> and so when this one said they just play all day just take out the just and it sounds different homeschoolers play all day yeah sometimes and that's okay i
1: we've had days unplanned where simply because of a show we're watching or a movie we've seen or an experience we've had or something in the news you know okay like a presidential election maybe we're watching the news a lot, we're watching the debates, we're sitting down learning about the Electoral College. And I'll tell you what, that wasn't on my list. Uh That wasn't part of the plan. But it evolved naturally, because the kids are asking questions like, well, what is this? And why do we even have this? And how did this start? And before we know it, we spent several hours down that rabbit hole learning about these things. And there are times I'm going to bed at night, you know, how, how you we do this, right? We reflect on the day, like, what did I do today? And I realize, this was not a typical day, but wow, look at all mm-hmm. we learned. Yeah, we didn't open it. We didn't crack a textbook, but we learned so much about the democratic process and why voting's important
0: and how the Electoral College works. And there's a lot of those days. Even in the summer, you are on vacation and then you took a class on how to identify trees at a state park near where you were visiting. and we help you at cardigan academy get out of the mindset of what quote-unquote counts and what doesn't because yes you have to track a certain amount of days but we have never found it an issue to get that many days in because it is just such an organic part of everything we do all year long
1: and i've never wanted my kids to delineate between school and life like that, and they have because when we started homeschooling, we were sort of replicating school at home. We did a typical school day, and over time, it evolved into a much looser structure. Um, I Remember when we first started? I, I had a we had a whiteboard and a school room, and I wrote down like nine o'clock math and ten o'clock English or whatever, and it was you know let's say nine fifty eight on we were still doing math and I'm like, oh, no, but 10 o'clock is English. And it it suddenly occurred to me that I'm feeling stressed by a schedule I chose. And why is that schedule on the board dictating to me? So then we learned, let's ditch that. So we got rid of the times and just listed what we were doing and let it be a more natural rhythm to our day. Um, One of the things I've noticed with my kids, too, is sometimes they surprise me by telling me all about something. And I say, how, how do you know this? And mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, like Max is like, oh, well, I was playing video games with my friend and we started talking about solar panels. And then I got curious about something that he said and I looked it up and I learned all these things about energy in this country and all this stuff about the environment. And I hear that and I'm so happy. And mm-hmm. Kate does the same with like writing or, you know, movies or Broadway musicals. Um, and, and that's what I want to see is that love of that excitement to learn is just I love that you and I have that you know Mm -hmm. I I want my kids to have that that's that's part of life should we
0: read more of our comments from our Facebook page yes okay so just as a reminder the question we asked was thinking back on your childhood what was your favorite and least favorite thing about school and before we read these Stacy I want to hear about your best and worst teacher I did some math I never thought of it before. If you take 180 days times about six hours a day, it's 1,080 hours a a school year. Okay. And I was thinking how, reflecting on the fact that if you love your teacher, that's a really great year. And if you and your teacher are not a good personality fit, that could be a really (sighs) difficult year.
1: Yeah, that's long when you don't like your teacher. (laughs) So uh, my worst teacher was sixth grade. I went to a private non-denominational school and she was a, a christian scientist she was very strict very severe she often wore very like drab brown colors she was very stern she didn't smile a lot she was um just strict i remember liking learning about homophones we called them homonyms right i i loved there was a homonym contest and anytime i would just sit there with time to spare i would be you know be be there 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 and you would write them down and put them in a box and whoever got the most got a prize and whatever so i i remember loving homonyms but that was sort of an on our own self study thing um she was she was just mean and i this is when i the little activist in me began because i i i did sort of s- stand up to her she well she pointed out that i wasn't participating in one time in bible class And I told her I wasn't participating because I didn't agree with her. And she was, there was a, I had a classmate whose grandfather had just died and the teacher felt like that was a good time to tell this child that her grandfather was probably going to hell because he Mm. wasn't saved. And I was like, Whoa, (laughs) Mm. I don't think that's very nice. And the girl got emotional. And I just thought this was abusive. Like this was terrible. And so I, she, and I felt this way almost every day and I would go home and we had a, In our basement, we had a ping pong table and a (laughs) dartboard. And I drew a picture of her face and put it on the (gasps) (laughs) dartboard. And I just took my aggression out by throwing darts at it because she made me so mad.
0: (laughs) That's so surprising.
1: It's like so anyone who knows me. Yeah. So unlike me, <laughs> but I apparently had a lot of aggression as a 12 year old and I was <laughs> very frustrated about this, but yeah, that was a rough and also my fifth grade teacher had been wonderful. So I think having this afterwards, uh-huh. a ugh, stark contrast and it was just not enjoyable and I dreaded school, but eighth grade and then again in high school, my junior and senior years, I had uh, wonderful teachers and come to think of it, they were both male and they were both um, nicknamed. So one was Mr. D. It was Mr. Genalt, but he was Mr. D. And then there was Dr. Gothier, but we all called him Dr. G. Oh. And I think what I appreciated most about them is that I had a relationship with them. You know, mm-hmm. I had, um, they, I felt seen, I felt like I mattered. I felt like, you know how we talk in our parenting groups about hierarchical parenting, I'm the parent, you are the child, mm-hmm. versus collaborative. I guess my relationship with these teachers felt very collaborative. Eighth mm. grade was not a great year for me. It was definitely the year of, you know, the mean girl cliques this is what I experienced. And there were only five of us in the class. And I was always the odd one out no matter what I did. And I feel like this teacher saw that and he looked out for me and he taught me. Chess and he taught me computers, and he would just spend time with me, and he made sure I didn't feel lonely because school was a safe place for me, but I was you know definitely ostracized that year, which was painful um and he he helped by just simply being a caring teacher and dr. G in high school, I love how he challenged us and made us think I loved the papers we wrote for him, and he joked with us, and he treated us like i don't know, I guess I felt like almost like a college student like he he treated us like. We were capable of more. Uh And I just really always appreciated that. And so those good teachers really stand out in your mind. How about you?
0: As soon as you're saying that, I'm remembering a lot of my favorite teachers. Dr. Previte was the one that had us come in and it was very democratic. How do you want to be graded this year? And we were all kind of like, what? (laughs) you know, a lot of critical thinking, looking at sources. I loved that Mrs. Schutte was my home teacher, and I took every single class available with her, and I'm Facebook friends with her now.
1: Oh, I love that. I'm
0: also Facebook friends with my second grade teacher, who was Miss Ondeco and is now Mrs. Waksmunsky, and she told me that I would be a writer. Again, talking about feeling seen. Yeah. Those were the teachers that really got you and who you were and I can't think of one particular bad teacher I think I got lucky but I do have a story about my typing teacher yelling at me one day I had missed several days of school and I don't remember what it was I I still don't remember (laughs) what it was we had learned in my absence and he asked us all to do it and he was very strict about us not looking at each other so I had made eye contact with my friend out of the corner of my eye because I think I was kind of like I can't believe this (laughs) I just came back from being sick and he's yelling at me and he said to her don't tell her don't give her the answer and I remember just I was like it doesn't matter how much you yell at me. I'm still not going to know what we learned when I wasn't here. And I still don't remember what it was, but I do remember how you made me feel and how it felt to stand up for myself in that setting. So I guess that was worth something.
1: It's interesting. We keep coming back to that. It, what we remember is how they made us feel. Mm-hmm. And even that comes up in our parenting loop. And I love, I love that you and I both like these activists who would start to stand up for ourselves and stand up for others because uh-huh. when I would take a Bible test from that sixth grade teacher, I would, because again, it was a, a private school, I would write down like, here's the answer you want, because I, I didn't want her to downgrade me. And I'd be like, but here's what I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> that way she couldn't downgrade me. And then um, it got me thinking as we were talking about activism that and busy work, right? That comes up a lot too, is uh-huh. what is the point of busy work? My kids have never liked it. And when we first started homeschooling, I'd be like, but you have to. And they would say, why? And I thought, yeah, why? What the heck? This is just how what we did. I don't know. And so um, when I was a senior in high school, I learned that the area high schools around us, a lot of them had a policy that if you had an A in your class, you didn't have to take the final.
0: Yeah. And I was like like that.
1: That's brilliant. But our school didn't have that. So I started a whole like petition thing. Like I, I came up with, I still have this in my scrapbook. I I came up with Uh 12 reasons why this is how it should be. And one of them was, this is busy work. We've obviously shown we've mastered it. And if we have an A, that should be Uh it. So I don't know if they've stuck with it. But that year, if you had an A in a class, you didn't have to take the final. (laughs) There's a win. Okay. So Holly says that her least favorite things are teachers who made fascinating subjects boring um, and people who were unhelpful to her when she got sick and being bullied for being the quote unquote weird girl. And her favorite thing were teachers who, who used unusual methods to teach, like the teacher who split them into Greek city states and had them do diplomatic negotiations. That's really cool. Uh-huh. And her favorite um, professor was one who created an academy conference like Comic-Con. To allow them to present as undergrads. Um, She said we had topics like bitch flicks and feminism and the psychology of Winnie the Pooh. I even presented on the significance of garden gnomes in modern society. (laughs) I want to hear about that. (laughs) I love seeing how education is changing that way and getting more, you know, interesting like that. Harry Potter classes and things like that.
0: Gail said her favorite was my senior year art teacher. He encouraged me to pursue art, and she is very artistic. And grade school, the worst was Mean Girls.
1: Zelly said her favorite thing was reading and projects, and her least favorite was bullying and kids being rowdy, making it hard to concentrate. And she said she actually switched her last two years to cyber, and she says, I definitely miss cyber school and would gladly go back. I think it's, see, there's one of those situations where this was a better fit. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't really have a one-size-fits-all approach, everyone's different.
0: Yeah, Michelle says, in elementary school, I loved playing Heads Up 7-Up. Me too. I know. Can we have an adult night where we play Heads Up -Up? (laughs) 7-Up? She says, I loved working independently. I also love the Book It program. We talked about that in our summer episode. And as I got older, I loved study hall, chorus and band, which were social times. I hated homework. I just never did it. My goal was to never bring anything home. And then she said she's recognizing someone else in this story, which is her son, who was homeschooled this past year for the first year. So it is a very good fit for him. And it's (laughs) interesting to see those similarities in our kids.
1: I think that also uh, reminds me that sometimes we know families that do send their kids to public school and consider themselves homeschoolers at heart because they don't just send their kids and that's it, but they, you know, uh, do extra projects at home and talk about things and are very involved with their uh-huh. kids enriching that experience. So sometimes there are cases like that. So. Les mentioned, actually several people mentioned that the hardest thing was, you know, being picked on or being bullied. Uh, Beth said the same, like that, that stands out for I think many of us is an unpleasant part of schooling that no one enjoyed. And then Beth tells a story about being in a class with an uneven number of kids. And it was, she was in a class, it was her and the popular kids, and they didn't really like her or deem her worthy to talk to. And she felt sad and isolated. And there was this big project, it was supposed to be a partner project, Mm. And she figured out that there was an uneven number of kids, and begged the teachers, and there were three of them, one for each subject, to let her um, do it by herself. And she said they all liked her; they'd had her previously, and they allowed it, and it helped her, you know, be less miserable. And I, I always appreciate when a teacher is willing to, just like we Inflexible. teach in our parenting yeah. groups, yeah, let's hear this kid out. They may have a good point and a good proposal, and I like when they're open to it.
0: Kathy says. Her favorite thing was the sense of accomplishment when she would learn something new and did it well, and her least favorite was lunch because she was a picky eater. Oh, I guess that would
1: be tough. wonder if she packed her own lunch right in the cafeteria or what. I, I love lunch as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I love food. Uh, Melinda said that one of her most vivid memories is of her fourth grade teacher reading Matilda and that to this day, it's one of her favorite books to read. And I, I know teachers who still talk about their read alouds, whether it was you know yeah. Charlotte's Web yeah. or whatever it may be. Um, one of the local librarians was a, I believe she was a second grade teacher, fourth grade. She used to read Charlotte's Web to her kids. So when she found out that our kids were in Charlotte's Web, yours included, yours and mine, Uh, She took her granddaughter to go see it because it had such a special place in her heart. And I think (laughs) we have those books that stand out thanks to teachers who read to us. Oh, and, and, sorry, and Melinda became a fourth grade teacher herself
0: and also read Matilda. Like, that's so cool. (laughs) Erica says her least favorite thing was being bullied, gym, and (laughs) having to speak in front of others. Her favorite things were being absorbed in learning books and art feeling successful, and in some cases, feeling safe.
1: That's another recurring theme I see, people who have had it tough at home feeling like school was a safe place. And that is another reason I will always support public schools. Um, And, you know, I'm, again, grateful that we can homeschool and I am glad that our family is close-knit and enjoy one another, but I know that's not a reality for everyone. And when school is a safe place, and a place kids can eat and be fed, um, you know, body and soul. I think that's that's oh, a thing we should definitely be encouraging in our society and prioritizing too. You have an extracurricular, Devonie.
0: Okay, I do, but I have to preface it by asking you a question.
1: I'm a little nervous.
0: <sighs> Did you or do you know about the dinosaur game when you have no internet? No okay so see i was testing this to see if this is one of those weird homeschool things that i missed (laughs) with a homeschool mom but actually that's not true because my homeschool daughter taught me about it today so my husband had to reset the router and the internet was down for a little bit and it's when you're using google chrome apparently and we didn't have internet so do you know about the little dinosaur that pops up and just says yeah internet okay a little t-rex so while we're waiting for the internet to come back up Evelyn said why don't you play the dinosaur game and I didn't even know this existed but apparently there's an easter egg in the google chrome setting when you don't have internet that you can be the dinosaur and the first level you're jumping over things and then the next level I think you're swimming and you're like ducking down (laughs) I was delighted and (laughs) my whole family's looking at me like how did you not know this was a thing (laughs) my mind is blown so I did a little bit of research today, and apparently it came out in September 2014. So I'm pretty late to the game, but I'm glad you didn't know either. And if Stacey and I are the only two people in the whole world that didn't know this at this point, just <laughs> it's because we're homeschooled. <laughs> oh, my word. So I want to know, how, how did Evelyn figure it out? I don't know. She said that, yeah, that's what I play when I'm on my tablet and I don't have internet connection. What? So I don't know if Rob told them, or did she figure it out by? Does Rob I even have no know about Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Um, I'll get back to you. Rob, Rob works in IT. He definitely, he definitely knows. That's what I'm oh, saying. Like, okay. all three of them were looking at me today. Like, are you kidding me? Because I'm like, what? Why didn't anyone tell me? So I am telling you. Oh collectively, as listeners and Stacy. So, if anyone else didn't know, please tell us on social media.
1: Okay, we're gonna have to check this out because when the power goes out at our houses, not having internet is like, I mean, it's like we're a Little House on the Prairie, you know? Like... Well,
0: now you have a video game to play anyway. <laughs> okay,
1: I'm gonna check that out. So my extracurricular is uh, actually this week we were watching a show where someone was eating brownies and they sounded good. So we happened to have a mix of Ghirardelli double chocolate brownie mix, and I thought I'll make those. But I kind of wanted... You know nuts in it and i don't know something sort of different so i looked up how to dress up you know brownies and do some different things with it and i found an article that had like six suggestions of things you can do to dress it up and it tastes more homemade it's a little you know more than just the box mix and so i did all of them <laughs> I how think, was it I, it was so good it was so rich uh and it made the whole kitchen smell so good but they were like I think they thought you might choose one, maybe two, (laughs) (laughs) but I added nuts and I added chocolate chips and then I melted chocolate and added a little bit of coffee. So like a mocha drizzle, I added refined, I think it's called like, I added sea salt at the end and I love, Mm. I love a little salt on my sugar. And then I, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you can replace the liquid from the box mix so if it calls for water you can replace it with coffee it gives they said if you use instant coffee or espresso that it doesn't necessarily taste like coffee it gives it a rich flavor like a dark chocolate flavor Mm -hmm. but so i did both so it tasted like dark chocolate and coffee um i'm trying to remember if there was still enough. oh yeah i we added vanilla you can apparently add bourbon but i was like let's do all these things and they were amazing that sounds really good do you have a picture we can share I do actually. Okay, good. Okay, good idea. I will send you that. (laughs) If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.